you've been going to meet somebody and you think that you're going to be working with that person again, you don't tell that person to go do a few bad words. <laughs> you don't do that, okay? That's something that, that'll come back to haunt you. <laughs> Apparently. Comedian Lewis Black. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Lewis Black makes us laugh by being the angry man. The defensive coach, they wanted to get rid of him and they couldn't. How are you not able to get rid of him? Just go get out of here. You don't, there's a war on Christmas. No, there's not. There's a war on Hanukkah. And, and you didn't even have to declare war. You won. So we don't know if CBD works, but we do know it makes a buttload of money. Basically, CBD is Ivanka Trump. The perpetually irritated Lewis Black wrote a book in 2005, a semi-autobiographical book called Nothing's Sacred. And that's when I met him. But I didn't meet the angry man that's on stage. I met a very likable and kind and gentle and warm man who was eager to talk seriously about serious things as well as comedy. So here now, from 2005, Lewis Black. Well, you're very frank with us at the beginning of the book, and, and, and most people wouldn't be this honest to tell us that you're, you were a little concerned. I mean, you're very funny on stage, very funny on television, very funny in person, but that doesn't always easily and, and facilely translate to being funny in print. Some no, people, it, it, it's, it, it's a different medium, and you were a little concerned about that. I was very concerned about it because also there are these guys that I, you know, um, I'm someone who's worked as a playwright, and so when I went from uh, playwriting to acting the first time, and I started acting with actors, I was concerned <laughs> that, that uh, they would know that I'm not an actor. And uh, so any transition you make like that, and especially when you admire people like, you know, as I mentioned, Dave Barry and mm -hmm. uh, um, and uh, the, 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 the David Sedaris, and oh, the yeah. people who yeah. were really uh, facile on the page, the, uh, what's his name, that really funny conservative who... Oh, P.J. O'Rourke. Oh, yeah, P.J. P.J., who, who you know, it, you, so you've got, you know, uh, let's, we'll, we'll run it back. So people like, you know, I, I admire these people like David, uh, David Barry, David Sedaris, P.J. O'Rourke. Uh, these, are, these are guys who, you know, I know how really to write for the page. And I wasn't sure how, how you know, I know I'm funny when I'm screaming. So, and I said, you know, can the book be in all capitalized with a lot of exclamation points? Um, but it's turned out to be, uh, I started handing it to people and they said, uh, it's, you know, they were laughing at it. So I felt it started to make me feel more comfortable. Do, do I, do I correctly guess that there's not a lot of exaggeration about your, your the autobiographical parts that you've embellished, you know, here and there kind of embroidered around the, but basically it is a true story. Is it's it a not? true story. It's, it's as much as I remember it. As I said, it's it's a memoir if I had a memory. It's a true story. You know, it's. Uh, I only felt bad that I couldn't have the time, and uh, it made me think about writing another book, which is even more depressing to think about writing another book because it's an exhausting <laughs> process. Um, it was uh, that um, I've, 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 I didn't have the time to really kind of call my fr call my friends up and say, you know, what did happen. So every so often when I would go back, when I was doing the, the audio book, I went, oh, I forgot that, and then we forgot this. But basically, it's all, it's all there. It's all really pretty true. Did you get your sardonic sense of humor from your mother? Pretty much. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. She was pretty much the uh, her, and then uh, and then my friends who were really mm. uh, very funny people, and, and <laughs> you know, and you had to be on your toes around those idiots. But you, you got a chapter you describe. Your, your mom was a, a substitute teacher. Yes, and which which is bad enough. But then she's a substitute teacher from time to time in the high school that you are attending, yes. which has got to be even potentially explosive situation. Oh yeah, it's the kind of situation that would lead someone. Uh, to be wearing uh, braces on their legs for the rest of their lives <laughs> and, and possibly getting uh, getting a case of asthma in uh, in, in your teen years which in in uh, which in Jewish family usually occurs by the time you're 7 <laughs> but but as you describe in the book she had she she handled even the toughest kids with with ease yeah she was really uh, vicious she had a streak in her she just wouldn't take anything it was literally she went in there this is my classroom you, you know you can you know you're not gonna get away with anything and and she was funny i mean and that's the bottom line to it she would just nail these guys you know <laughs> i don't need to see you you know what are you studying this for the reason you're studying this is because um if you don't uh, I don't need when uh, you roll, you know, when I roll down the window of my car th- three years from now and you're pumping my gas at the Sears, I don't want to listen to you whimping to me about it. <laughs> and then it, and within minutes, once the class was out, you should have heard your mother said. <laughs> now, as you alluded to a moment ago now, you've also got a circle of friends, one of whom apparently, as you describe in the book, is is kind enough to you to take you aside and say, hey, you are a borderline word that we can't say here on the radio. Yes. And this was good advice, I gather. It was good advice. It was, uh, he said, you're really close to being, well, geek would be the close, <laughs> the, the, the preferable or nerd. And, you know, I was buttoning my top button. I, the blood wasn't going to my head. And uh, <laughs> and he's the one who it was my friend Ray Larson who uh, said, you know, you better, you know, you've got to really uh, get it together here or you're, you know, <laughs> the, you're going to be in trouble. And uh, and he changed uh, and he really did change the direction of my life. Now, what did you want to do for a living in those days? Uh, or what, what did you project yourself being when you was, grew up? In, this, in the early on, I projected my – first, initially, I thought I was going to be a rabbi, and then we kind of got over that quick. And Because uh, I just thought you could uh, – for a long time, I just thought you could go in and tell these people whatever you wanted on Saturday. <laughs> that was my concept of being a rabbi. Oh, you got to read? You got to study this stuff? Oh, well. That kind of takes the – and then I, I, I really thought about going into the uh, – I think partly – about being around D.C. and stuff was uh, the Foreign Service, mm-hmm. yeah, which looked like a pretty, you know, it looks it looks good on paper. And then I started seeing the requirements for that. And then it evolved because uh, uh, we did a, we, we it, I, I don't know, my parents started, my mother, my father started taking me to a lot of theater. Mm-hmm. It was in the National Theater uh, in Washington, D.C. The Schuberts used to run shows into New York and they'd go, so I'd be Boston, Washington, New Haven, New Haven, Washington, Boston, into New York City. And so they had a subscription season. And so we started going to those. And then the Washington Theater Club, which was this great theater that uh, eventually, uh, you know, was uh, was where we ended up. And that really had kind of uh, much, much more interesting, uh, you know, they would do Harold Pinter and all these other guys. And so I went, started going uh, to that. And I got this really kind of uh, psychotic interest in theater um, and became and became interested in working in the theater in some fashion or at least trying it I never thought this would 
I would end up doing this. I thought, you know, eventually. But once, I guess once you get some applause and once you get some recognition, once you get, you realize you've spoken words, people have reacted to it in a positive way. That's got to be a real, that's got to be almost an aphrodisiac. Well, it's uh, very close to, I call us heroin addicts. (laughs) It's very much like, oh boy, that felt good. I'm going to try that again tomorrow. The difference being you can go back tomorrow and they're not laughing and they're going, Mm -hmm. what are you thinking? (laughs) But, uh, but yeah, no, it was, we did a, we did a talent show when I was a kid and we all, me and a group of the guys, wrote the thing, um, and it was the it was the outline for the talent show. Generally, a talent show in any high school is, you know, and you know they have some dopey thing with mm-hmm. memories and two ants <laughs> in the attic, and they pick up something. Like that's the through line. Well, our through line was these kids want to make it big, and I'm an agent, and they want to get an Ed Sullivan, which will really date the whole thing. And um, <laughs> and uh, I just and one and. Uh, one you know person came on after another, and I told them how badly they sucked, <laughs> and, uh, and the audience went nuts. I mean, we basically it was just this sarcastic guy sitting an agent, and it, and I have to say it was uh, it was hugely successful, and I think that was the hook. Was that I, the birth of your angry man persona? That was the way early on, and then we stumbled <laughs> around until we really got it right. Coming up after this short break, is Lewis Black really angry, or is that just an act? Now back to my 2005 interview with Lewis Black. Now, I, I should ask you, and I hope I'm not asking you to reveal any professional secrets, is that just a pers- an onstage persona, or are you really an angry, sardonic, sarcastic guy? If you're with me on in Los Angeles uh, for and I'm there for, uh, like, if I wake up by with three hours into being in Los Angeles uh, for after a day, uh, you know, like 27 hours later, I am that person. <laughs> when I am in Los Angeles, I if you watch if I'm if you could sit and watch with me, meet the press or face the nation, I become that person. There's no if I just start <laughs> shrieking. It, once they put these people, once you actually have these people on television, the people who lead us. And they start speaking, I start losing my grip. And so I'm like that. But generally, no. Generally, I'm not really uh, like that anymore. You seem like a rather nice, civilized gentleman right now. I am. Well, I had to learn that. Okay? <laughs> we made a lot of mistakes. about. I take my anger into rooms that shouldn't have been. And I've said the things to people in my career that you make. Uh, and I don't really regret it in a sense. I, I, I advise kids that you don't say those things to if you're going to if there's a boss if you go in to meet somebody and you think that you're going to be working with that person again um you don't tell that person to go and <laughs> do a few bad words you don't do that okay that's something that that'll come back to haunt you <laughs> apparently but one of the central messages of your book is that authority should be questioned absolutely I mean, this is this is. I mean, this is not just our patriotic right; it's our patriotic duty. Yeah, and it's what you got to do. I mean, it's what keeps your brain alive. I mean, it's the thing is, is that so difficult now is this, this battering ram of uh, first off, we're facing something you know that uh, all of us are getting used to, and and especially if you're younger, and it's got to be tougher. It's like four, you know, f- you know, between the internet and four channels, twenty-four hour day news, plus all the other news. 
that you you know this wall of news information in a Fox channel that is just making stuff up <laughs> as if nothing matters. They just I call them the you know every the everything's okay. It doesn't matter. <laughs> yep, sure we lost Chicago today, but look on the bright side. Um, it's going to be fine. Um, you know rents will drop in the surrounding areas. They're crazy, and you get all that that inundation of information, and it, it becomes uh, and you really have to. To stay on your toes, and it becomes um, more and more difficult too when uh, you've got uh, you know they're constantly you know everybody yells about the Bush administration, and certainly there's a lot to be yelled about. And but all they've done is kind of take the natural progression of of where you know we we could start with um, where you want to start. <laughs> you go with Reagan, and then you go to the Bush, and then uh, and Clinton even was involved. You know, you know they go well. You know they've got this stuff. You know that you know what uh, Bush has got uh, his uh, all these guys are down there at uh, Department of Agriculture doing what appear to be news reports, and those aren't news reports, or at the Department of whatever and the hoo-ha. And and I think Clinton started that nonsense, mm-hmm. and all this guy did was take it the next step. And and the photo opportunity, which began, when did that become? All they do is raise it, these idiots raise it to the level of a science, and at some point, um, uh, you know, and now the, the whole thing of staying on point, which is what, you know, Clinton had, you know, there was Clinton's Teflon, no, Clinton, you know, he sent out the marching orders, and these guys mm-hmm. all were like in, in lockstep, and all, and Bush raised the, raised the bar on that, Rove, it's got, you know, you have mm-hmm. Carville, who created some of that nonsense, and, and Rove, in order to, to run a country, well, that, you know, you better pay attention. Because, you know, a lot of the stuff they're saying to you, a lot of the times, doesn't even make mm-hmm. sense. And this is why, and I don't know, does this alarm you that some people take The Daily Show at face value as that's their news? Well, all we did was we ended up news by, by default is what I call it. Because <laughs> the news, you know, when, once the New York Times apologizes for not covering the Iraq war properly, um, and and for all they can scream about the, the liberal paper, it didn't cover the war p- properly. It says so. And uh, you kind of got to go, wow, um, you know, the media is not ultimately doing what the media should be doing. Mm-hmm. It's not asking the questions. It doesn't even do it in, the, in these press mm-hmm. conferences anymore. That What's it? Helen Brown was the one who used to. Uh, oh, Helen Thomas. Hel- yeah. Helen Thomas yeah. was the one. She wouldn't. Yeah, she, you know, yeah. She, you know, they don't even allow her to speak. They've got her <laughs> gagged. You know, I mean, it's like ridiculous. It's, yeah. You know. Or look at the debates, you know, it's like, you know, both sides should be taken out, uh, you know, spanked. You know, we, 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 you're going to tell us what questions we, the people, are asking? I mean, it's, it's nonsense. So there, it's, it, in a sense, you've got to keep a leg up. Uh, and I wouldn't even, it's not so much anger, it's just, it, you know, it's, it, it angers the way it ends up being expressed. But the frustration level mm-hmm. is, I think, is enormous. Does it? Uh, I, I gather from the reading of your book, it kind of it kind of astounds you sometimes that you and George W. Bush are in the same generation. I, yeah, it's like what planet? We're in two different planets, <laughs> you know. And then, and then for him to have the gall to talk about abstinence. I mean, you know, <laughs> were you abstinent? I don't think so. <laughs> so you can't just approach it as, or I don't. I may have done this, but you better come around with more of your humanness. As opposed to that, that Pravda-like mentality of, you know, I felt nothing, I saw nothing, I should have been abstinent. Oh, yeah, right, you should have been. And then you wouldn't have married her, would you? And been happy. 
<laughs> Let me ask you, and I, I, I don't want to end the interview on a, on a more somber note, but I mean, I, I wanted to give you the opportunity because you talk about your brother mm-hmm. in, in the book, uh, passed away some, yeah. some time ago, but, but he was, I gather, a large part of your inspiration. Yeah. He was, uh, he was, I was very lucky to, uh, you know, have a brother like that because, uh, A, he was making money. <laughs> <laughs> And I was I was incapable of finding cash, <laughs> but he was generating it, and he was uh, uh, hugely generous. And uh, but we were <clears throat> we were very close, and uh, it was um, and uh, I think uh, we both affected each other in real ways. And it was, uh, and I thought it was uh, important to. To add a chapter, I mean, a, a part of the book is like people go, you know, I can't believe it's not just all funny. Well, I mean, uh, I'm, I, in a sense, you're, you know, is, whatever degree of success I have, um, which is fine at this point, and if this, if it, if this, if this is as far as it goes, is in in this little room in Silver Spring, Maryland, <laughs> my hometown, um, I'll be quite happy. But. Um, what you do, and you know, and in terms of this book, it was like, you know, what am I going to turn out a book, a, a rants that people have already heard, and maybe add some other rants? And I think, you know, it's much. I think it's just much more interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's more uh, to me than just uh, that guy who's screaming on stage. And you open that up a little, and it allows you. Hopefully, you write. An, if I write another book, I I can go off in another direction, and then after I write those two books, you know, we can write write something else so that I can continue to come back here and spend time with you. (laughs) Louis Black will be 73 this summer. He lives in New York and North Carolina. And you can find easy Amazon links to Louis Black's books at our website, heardeverything.com. Is this the first time you've heard an episode of Now I've Heard Everything? Well, thanks for finding us. I appreciate your listening. And you can find all of our past episodes at heardeverything.com. And, of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find us on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, their family has been in the news again recently. And it hasn't been good news. But when I talked to them 10 years ago, they and their reality TV show were on the top of the world. My 2011 interview with Michelle and Jim Bob Duggar. We probably have the funnest house of anywhere I know. I think we have more fun than any family I know, and I believe it because we really are enjoying our children. They're such a gift. That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Bill Thompson.